0: Again, it's it's part of that holistic development, and it's not even really something you need to separate out as its own unique thing. It is simply those basic core values that you're working on teaching children, young children, anyway.
1: Welcome to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. This podcast is hosted by Senior Pastor Sean Zambros and Associate Pastor Nick Quint. In this episode, they talk with Meredith McLaren. Faculty chair and professor at Crafton College about child development, vocation, technology, and spirituality. Uh, getting a little more personal with that, as a person of faith, as an academic, who's clearly gifted and called to be a professor, to <laughs> and all these sorts of things. Um, how do you see your vocation as a teacher impacting your spirituality, and vice versa? Does your spirituality come into play with um, you're calling as a professor. How do you see the two as relating or complementing one another? Or or do you? Because right. I know some people do compartmentalize them, and that's completely fine. Yeah. I was just curious.
0: Yeah, what? no, it, it's a good question. Cause I, when, I, when I was looking at the questions, you know, I would probably say, to be honest, it goes a little bit more that... I think my spirituality makes me appreciate children and mm-hmm. see them for just these amazing little creatures that they are and all this potential they have and all of this incredibleness in in children. So I think that probably helps me in terms of my finding my passion for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will be honest, it doesn't come up in my teaching as much just because it's not it's not if you look at you know the domains of development you know we tend to cover physical development we cover cognitive development we cover social and emotional development um those are the three big ones we don't really ever talk about like spiritual development it's not even mentioned usually in any of the textbooks um and and i maybe i should in, you know, put more of that in there when we talk about it. Just in general, when we talk about social emotional development, but it probably doesn't go as much that way back into my teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that my spirituality probably helped me choose this career or this okay. this age yeah. to focus on, um, but it probably doesn't come into being a professor a whole lot in terms of my interactions and discussions with students. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't. I know. I I feel a little guilty, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, just because it doesn't come up as a topic of conversation with my students nearly as much. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but something could be kind of a worldview and the way, you, like you said, you approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, for example, uh, Dr. Lee Solson at the U of R, you know, chemistry and all these sorts of scientific things won't doesn't necessarily will say anything in class, but the approach. Mm-hmm. The life, you know, the the we would say the silent witness, uh, as some people say. I mean, the fact that you're involved with children and mm-hmm. and taking them seriously. I mean, that's already a profession that most people would be kind of like, oh, that takes a special kind of person mm-hmm. um, to do it well. I mean, obviously to do it well and to do it with care and all that sort of stuff. And and I don't know. For me, it's I don't need to see a cross around your neck or a, <laughs> or a fish bumper sticker or or whatever. But I, I don't. know, I just find it so interesting that the calling of being involved in in the formation of children's lives and and who they are um, is something that both the church should be doing, uh, Mm -hmm. the community should be doing, but also in terms of academics, what you seem to be doing already. So I don't know, I think it's just kind of awesome just the the witness therein. You can do so much without ever saying a word in front of someone.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I I think definitely my spirituality helps me to see the bigger picture in Mm -hmm. the lives of these children. You know, it's not just this isn't. It's not just today. It's mm-hmm. not just what's going on here. But it belongs to something bigger, mm-hmm. and I think that probably comes mm-hmm. again from that. Seeing as uh, we're connected. We're all, you know we're, we're all connected, and that we're, there's something bigger that we are moving towards. I um, think that piece probably is is what I do see mm-hmm. in my in my in my work with with my students, but also at the college in general. Like we're all working together. We're all working towards something bigger and better. Mm-hmm.
2: So do you think that the conversation about spiritual development yeah I hear it I hear about it in other places mm-hmm. um and it's more general obviously it's not a particular faith but um the whole idea of spiritual development in people um is that becoming something that mm-hmm maybe will be talked about in the context of development?
0: I think so. I, I do. I, I Well, I should say yes, in some places. It definitely, I think, is something that would only contribute and it would only add to our discussion. Um, and I think part of that, too, is then you have to be very clear with the students about the difference between spirituality and religion because mm-hmm. sometimes they, they have a hard time seeing you know that just one doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the other right. that you know spirituality is this other this other sense of mm-hmm. you know questioning and being connected and feeling and and how important that is it comes up in child development it comes up in in ours it's just it's within the context of social and emotional development and you yeah. probably should just name it a little bit more specifically as mm-hmm. well because again it's it is talked about but it's it's the the words are probably not, spiritualities as a word does not typically show up in the child development textbooks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's certainly a conversation that you could have, especially at the college level. You know, we do have a little bit of of freedom in terms Mm -hmm. of what we present and how we present. Um, And so,
2: yeah, now I think about it, I'm like, there
0: are definitely classes we can add it in.
2: Well, I think that you already bring it there when you are... You are already aware of within your own passion the role of spirituality mm-hmm. um, and how it connects you to your field, mm-hmm. um, and then even the end. Mm-hmm. What you've talked about the end the end result that we're looking at something more than just like from a step by step by step thing, but that there is this sort of ultimate connection at the end, mm-hmm. and or as we go through but goal in a sense right. a sense of connection and everything mm-hmm. so it seems like you are already doing that mm-hmm. w- without maybe naming it right
0: um, yeah. yeah yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that
2: yeah <laughs>
1: that's the, the beautiful thing about spirituality is if it's a part of your life it's not something you necessarily just think, right. about. It's, think about we don't it. propositionalize mm-hmm. it a little bit you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. become a little more theological at that point not to say they're separate but right mm-hmm. it kind of just gets us out of that um and, and, and related to all of this, uh, more directly, um, maybe for yourself as as, as a mother, as a, as a person of faith, and someone who has this background, um, how does spirituality relate to childhood development? Maybe, you know, for yourself or through people you know, or just whatever, you know, bird's-eye view, however you think of that. Like, mm-hmm. what? how does spirituality kind of play into, um, we'll say, personal childhood development? Do, do you see it playing in that?
0: I mean, I do, and I think it's it is... Again, it's it's part of that holistic development, and it's not even really something you need to separate out as its own unique thing. It is simply those basic core values that you're working on teaching children, young children anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in those preschool years you're talking about, or, you, you know, infancy, toddler years, you know, building that trust, that sense of trust, that sense mm-hmm. of connectedness to your family. I mean, typically it's your close family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those basic things about being loving and kind and, mm-hmm. you know, helping other people you know those are your basic core concepts that most people are trying to teach teach their preschoolers or their young you know their toddlers and their preschoolers and i think those are the same those are the same ideas right that that, the sense of connectedness Mm -hmm. um and and you know being aware of others and and what their needs are and how you can interact with them Mm -hmm. so i think at the the young level it it's just basic good quality Parenting, interaction, development—it's mm-hmm. um, all along those same same lines. Um, I think as they get a little older and they get into those preschool years, then you can start to have more of these conversations. Um, there's their their cognitive development. I always come back from this cognitive developmental piece about like, exactly how much can they understand. And right. I know there's a little bit of debate about you know whether they sure. can understand more than maybe we give them credit for. But I, I do see you know in those preschool years they they can talk so much more. You know they ha- can ask questions. They are trying to make sense of the world around them, but they're not entirely logical. Sometimes they don't always understand quite everything how it works, um, and they're very you know egocentric about how the world affects them, um, which makes for fun, fun conversations and things that they mm-hmm. say. Um, but it it you know you can still introduce these more abstract concepts, even though they tend to be a little bit more concrete. So mm-hmm. you know when you tell them you have Jesus in your heart. They are envisioning there's a small man sitting inside their body. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're <laughs> going to ask you how big Jesus is, and you're like, uh, or how big God is. And right. you're like, he's the whole world. And they're just like, but she said he was in my heart. I don't know, you know. Well, and yeah, so.
1: The egocentricity now makes sense if God is in them and the whole world. Okay, And then no, they're, 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 they're kind of confused from. about how this works, <laughs> right. and, yeah. you know, and
0: you know again death usually comes up when you try to talk about death and and where you know you go and you went they went to be with god and mm-hmm. they think god is in heaven which is up above and so they're looking in the clouds you know they're 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 kind of very concrete mm-hmm. in some of those ways but it doesn't you still need to introduce those concepts and those ideas because it will grow as they get Mm -hmm. older. And as they get a little bit older, they're able to handle more abstract concepts and their understanding. Um, And so it becomes more just this church, this place that you go to having a more personal meaning, I think, as they get older. Then Mm -hmm. they understand their connection and how it connects to them. Um, You know, young children understand church. You know, going to church, it's the ritual. They understand, you know, the praying before dinner. And it becomes very goons very important to them to do those things. Yeah. Um, and that's where it starts. It's just that modeling behavior, making it a part of their lives, mm-hmm. something that they can rely on and take comfort in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, then it, it changes as they get older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the role of stories? Right. Yes. The the, the the biblical stories, those are always good. I mean, I can still remember, you know, from when I was young, mm-hmm. um, some of the stories. I, I will say sometimes I read the stories and I'm like, um let's let's just modify that one a little bit, um, because I think sometimes it's like we can still get the meaning of the story without maybe quite all of the the visual details, which mm-hmm. are going to give them nightmares sometimes. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know I, it's that isn't, it's it's that becomes that shared you know oral history that they have and they share with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and just even the words and the language. May was, I don't know, she was maybe three or four. She was with my friend, and they were in the car. uh, She was taking her somewhere, and something about God came up, or Jesus, or something, and they said it, and she was like, I know Jesus! (laughs) (laughs) I know Jesus! You know, now, did she really know Jesus? No, but she knew the Word, and she knew that she had that connection now with somebody else because it was this shared information that she knew about, so... Again, I think those are the important pieces, and as they get older, then obviously they're going to be able to connect it more to what the, how their religion maybe is different from other people, you know, and mm-hmm. other different religions, you know, what their spirituality looks like and how that maybe compares to other people. Mm-hmm. I Again, I mean, it's, you can learn things at any time, so, you know, I think you could certainly learn about faith and spirituality as yeah. an adult. But I think in some ways, it's kind of like you know that second language. It's easier if you learn it when you're young. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of yeah. a par- becomes a part of you and not something that seems off or different. Um, yeah. so it, it's, and again, it has a lot to do with their ability to think about these things, to process this information. And they hit adolescence, and of course, they want to question everything and <laughs> want to, again, know why they have to get out of bed and come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, But again, they can still have those conversations, and for the most part, most children do follow their parents' footsteps when it comes to their spirituality and their religious identity. Mm -hmm. So it's it's again, it's not short term. You're you're playing the long
2: game with that one. Yeah, Uh, I had the opportunity to get to know uh, Father Lawrence Martin Jenko, Father Jenko, uh, who had been held as a hostage in. Beirut, back in uh, oh that would have been like the late, late late 80s early 90s he described being in solitary confinement in when he was being held a hostage and that the the things that really came to mind and fed his spirit were the songs and the prayers he learned as a child mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was, uh, for me, that was very powerful. But, but if you think about it, you think about things that you didn't learn as a child, you know, there are things that I learned back then, long pieces of things that I memorized back then that I can tell you now. Mm-hmm. And I haven't tried to mm-hmm. right. uh, even say that. So it is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. That, that I think the role of telling the stories and the songs mm-hmm. and the prayers and things that we teach our, our children are important. And, and in a way, kind of an, an investment. You know, it means mm-hmm. something to them now, but then it, has, it comes back to have a greater meaning for them mm-hmm. uh, later on in their life.
1: Yeah. It seems like, I don't know, children may not understand the whole story, right. but cultivating a sense of sacredness that, you know, for example, when you pray, it's a sacred thing. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, church is a place, you know, ideal, idealistically speaking, of course, is a place of holiness, a place of sacredness where we come to be together. And I mean, I remember growing up, church was a place I just didn't want to go because I'd rather sleep on <laughs> the morning. But um, I had friends that grew up in, in very liturgical, you know, fundamentalist, progressive, all, the, you know, liturgical. But, you know, when they go to church now, they, they can't really go to any church that doesn't have the liturgy because mm-hmm. it's so a part of who they right. are. And it was just interesting to see. It's like maybe—and that's something I think this church does well, at least, is the incorporation of children in worship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to ask you, just as who um, goes here, but just a more big question— Uh, What role does the church, and we're speaking church in the best sense of the term, of Mm -hmm, course, mm -hmm. uh, have in being a place that seeks to both empower children to follow Jesus, but also in a way incorporates them into, um, I would say, decisive and fundamental aspects of of church life, of worship life?
0: Well, I think that's something that our church does very, very well, actually, and it's not something you find in a lot of different churches. Or, or, you know, I can tell you, in all the years I was there, I was never ever asked to read scripture. I was never asked to stand in front of the congregation and present information about a trip I had gone to. I mean, yes, the you know the Christmas program and those things you get to have your lines on those days, but. Certainly, I think that is something that our church really does a, 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 an excellent job at uh, of incorporating them. Um, just the public speaking aspect of oh, it. Absolutely. I was telling my daughter, I was like, you have no idea. Public speaking is one of the people's biggest fears, yeah. and you have this opportunity to practice in front of people who are going to adore you, no matter oh, what happens. They're going to say they're going to be so happy and pleased to see you. Yeah. So I think I think the other thing that that we do really well is we model all of those things as a church family that we are encouraging children to do. And what we say what they should be doing, we also do. Yeah. Because that's where it gets tricky for kids when, you know, it's do as I say, not as I do. is a little difficult for kids sometimes. Right. And I think, I think that's part of it, is putting into practice as much as you can. Again, no place is ever perfect. Yeah. You know, those ideals that you are telling them are important. And when they come and they see that done in a church... Um, that 's then then that's that 's the majority of your of the battle right there yeah. um, is to do that, but again, including them, listening to them, encouraging them, supporting them, understanding that they are in different places at different times, and just because sometimes they 're squirrely in church and running around <laughs> doesn 't mean that they 're not still listening mm-hmm. and picking up the pieces and the parts that are going to stay with them. Mm-hmm. For, for a long time, and I think yeah. well, that is something we, as a church, do very very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and this just came to mind. Uh, Sean and I recently talked about women in ministry and all that sort of that, that question. Um, and this is I'm putting you on the spot, so I apologize for <laughs> it. But the idea of, um, for example, uh, women can't preach in church and. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something Pastor Sean and I both really push to have, especially young women behind the pulpit, mm-hmm. giving scripture and participating, and they're not excluded from the pulpit. Um, is there um, issues of childhood development um, by communicating the message that, say, for example, May or Lillian or any of the younger women in our church would be kind of not included behind the pulpit at, because of who they are? Does um, do, do you think there's maybe childhood development issues with that, or at least how would... I, don't, ad- I can't imagine how a young child would feel with the mm-hmm. idea of not being um, permitted to do that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And uh, I'm asking the expert in the room, but it's, it's a disjunctive <laughs> question. I'm sorry. But no, it's a,
0: well, and it's, like, it's a, like a lot of other things. When it is that way your whole life and when you mm-hmm. go to church and that is always how you see it, does it impact your overall view of who should be standing up there? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. And so when that is the message you get from a young age... It probably doesn't impact them a huge amount in terms of, of, of causing them grief or anything because that's just all they know. That's mm-hmm. what they think it is. Um, it, it, I, I had a friend the same way. She said, you know, even as a, an adult, she was raised Southern Baptist, so, you know, women were not allowed to preach. And when she went to a church where the woman was behind the pulpit, she was like, it's weird for me. She's like, okay. I still struggle with that even as an adult. So does it impact them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like everything. It's in there. It's kind of their views of how church should be and how it should go. Mm-hmm. Um, can you change as an adult? Of course you can. Of course you can. You can learn. You know that to, that that there's another way of thinking about these things. Um, so for me personally, I would always choose a church who didn't say that or have those opinions because that's not what I want my children to see or learn. It's not what I want to model for them.
2: Um,
0: So yeah, I mean, it does, yes, it does impact. Um, Would it potentially stay there as a, like a kernel of, of, you know, how things should be for the rest of your life? Yeah, it it would.
1: Mm -hmm. It it would. Because I remember just as a, as a guy sitting there and seeing you know, when I just changed my mind, even going to a church where a woman preached, it was just like, yeah. not I knew it wasn't her but it was just one of those awkward like I'm like I don't know how I feel about this even though I'm okay with it like in principle having changed my mind and stuff but I was like this is going to take a while to get used to and I was like it's her but it's not her it's me I know I've got to deal with this and my my uh, girlfriend at the time now my wife nudged me and like, are you okay I'm like I'm not leaving this chair. I will not. <laughs> you know, it's just I'm like, no. I will force myself to say her, And her sermon was magnificent. It was a great sermon. But I'm sitting. I'm like, no. This is good for me. It's like eating broccoli. <laughs> you know. Um, and so, just the idea that that internalizing the kind of the kernel aspect is at least true for my experience. And it's I can't imagine what it's like for for um, for a young woman to go through that, but. Thankfully, not at this church. Right,
0: not at this church. And, and and it goes go back to the cognitive developmental aspect of that. You know, we we tend, we create these little schemes of how things should be, and in our mind, we have a scheme for how church should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you'll run into that where people it's not how they vision church should be, but you know we have amazing brains and we are capable of learning and adapting. It's not always easy. Um, it takes a little time, but you keep doing it, and you keep you know exposing yourself and thinking Mm -hmm. about it, you can change, you can change that schema to include more than just, you know, this one way of presenting church. Mm
2: -hmm. But that is something I struggle with, um, you know, even with um, young families that maybe decide that they want to go to a church because they like uh, the music or Mm -hmm. they like the style of worship or whatever. And you know, upon a little bit more explanation or exploration, you find out that that church is not affirming of women in all different roles of ministry mm-hmm. and all different, and that they have particularly traditional roles of what women should do, even in everyday life. And, you know, to say to that couple, well, what about that? And they say, oh, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, the wife, she, I don't really want to go into ministry anyway, so what's the big deal? Mm -hmm. And then I think, well, you know, you would never go to a school that intentionally told your daughter that she could never be an engineer or a scientist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You would never do that. But you would go to a church that would imply in all different ways that she had... Limitations, but people don't think about that.
0: No, I would, I would agree. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think because a lot of times, again, there are people who go to the church. They're not really thinking about the theology behind it. Mm -hmm. They go again Mm -hmm. because it's close to their house. They have a nice service time. They like the music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And that's that. It's again, it's. Sometimes it's more deeper thinking about what this church is and what they're there for. Mm-hmm. I think about those things, and so yeah. that's why I chose the church yeah. I chose. <laughs> um, but I, I am aware that not everybody does, and yeah. and those are definitely messages that will go to the children, mm-hmm. both the boys and the girls. Right. Exactly. It's not, I mean, the girls will get the message, and so will the boys. Mm-hmm. Right. They will. So they get it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I mm-hmm. make my daughter go up there and read whenever she's invited to. <laughs> she doesn't always want to, but I think you're going to practice We'll schedule her in as soon
1: as we can. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Faith Without Fear Podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. Music was composed and performed by Garrett Sampros. If you're looking for a church home, you're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at ten fifteen. All are welcome.